You must be born again. That's how Jesus began the conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Nicodemus, Israel's favorite teacher, well-respected ruler of his day. And Jesus says to him, you must be born again. Think about the implications of that for a moment. This guy is uh, the most well-respected teacher of the time. And Jesus essentially looks at him and says, I know everybody thinks you're pretty great, but let me tell you the truth. At the core of who you are, you're a total do-over. We can't just make minor adjustments here. You're actually not okay, Nicodemus. You are a wretched sinner, hopeless, unless you are born again. Now, Jesus went on to explain in John 3 that he didn't come to condemn anyone but to save. But all those who are not born again, John 3.18 says, are condemned already. And Nicodemus must have been shocked by all of this because in John 3, 7, Jesus said, hey, don't be surprised that I said you need to be born again. It's true for everyone. Now, if Nicodemus was a sinner and desperately needed to be born again, what about you? What about me? In the middle of all the crazy talk about being born again, Jesus makes an even crazier reference back to this story. From Numbers 21. Maybe in your reading of John chapter 3, you skimmed right past it, you know, to get to the the good part. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? But just prior to that, Jesus said something unique. Would you stand with me and turn in your Bible to John chapter 3? We're going to pull some house lights up for for reading of the scriptures. John chapter 3. I want you to read with me. Verses 14 through 18. And then we'll turn over and read in Numbers 21 also. So John 3 verse 14. Look at what Jesus says here. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now focus in for a moment on verses 14 and 15. Look at them again. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now Jesus knows who he's talking to, doesn't he? He's talking to a Jewish scholar, a teacher of the law. He knows his Bible, right? And Jesus says, you you remember the serpents? Just as Moses did that, so must I be lifted up. Nicodemus is immediately going to go into it in his mind, the Rolodex of his mind, and think back to all that was happening in that Numbers 21 account. But most of us 
need a little bit of help with this, right? So let me give you some history. As you're turning to Numbers chapter 21, we're going to read it together as well. Just a portion. Moses has been leading uh, the people of Israel through the Red Sea and now for 40 years in the wilderness. And they've been following the presence of God, a, a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day. God has been leading them. He's provided water from a rock, bread from heaven. It's been amazing, but it's not been an easy journey. 40 years. Everyone who began the journey, save two men, have died. And two new generations have been born in this wilderness. And just as they come to the edge of the promised land, they're right on the precipice of Canaan. They just have this one little town to go through, Edom. And the Edomites will not let them come through. And so Moses says, all right, guys, I know it's right there. But we actually are going to have to go all the way around these mountains. It's going to be a... Another few months. The people are incredibly disappointed. They're impatient. They're angry. Their attitudes sink. And they begin to grumble again. They complain against Moses. They complain against the Lord. They complain about the bread from heaven. We loathe this worthless bread, they say. Wish we had died in Egypt. I mean, this is an incredible insult against God. He, he rescued them And they resent him. Let's read together in Numbers 21 verses 4 through 9. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water. And we loathe this worthless food. Then... The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we've spoken against the Lord and against you. So pray to the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at it. He would look at it, the bronze serpent and live. Let's pray. Lord God, we need you today. We need you to open our eyes as we open your word. We need you, Lord, to open hearts, to see you for who you are, to trust in you completely. Help us, God, to fix our gaze upon Christ. There's no one else to whom we can turn. We we do not graduate from our need for the gospel of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to all Look to the cross of Christ and live in Jesus name. Amen.
That is what our rulers are working on. Not that kind. That one. The sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean, right? A new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No. No, that's not what I'm talking about. They were just born again. Return to the womb because that would be a problem for me. My mother, and she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That part of you, that is what must be reborn to your life. Sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. 
read it for him. It's as simple as Moses is slipping on the wall. So, in John chapter 3, Jesus is giving Nicodemus a historical framework to help him understand the new birth and what exactly Jesus came to accomplish. So just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so must Christ be lifted up. What I want us to see today is at least three things, three similarities This historical framework might have provided for Nicodemus and three truths that we should really take away from it ourselves. Here they are. We have a similar but worse problem. Do you believe that? Similar. They were snake bitten. But our problem is worse. Second truth. The serpent was given to foreshadow a better savior. Third truth. The way to eternal healing is the same. So let's look at those individually, one at a time together. The first one, I'll rephrase it for you, is this. We, all of us, are condemned sinners in need of rescue. All of us are condemned sinners in need of rescue. So here's the similarity. Just as they were dying, we are dying. Do you know that? I'm not just talking about physical death. Can you imagine for a moment, if you will, this this picture of venomous snakes to like epidemic proportions? I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. I like hate them. A couple of weeks ago, I was digging through my wood pile, getting ready to do a little project at the house. And as I'm pulling through all the wood, I pull out this snake skin that's like this big around and it's probably five feet long i mean the snake skin still had the little head on the end and uh i hold it up i was like oh my gosh you know i'm looking at this thing and i'm and all of a sudden i'm like you know i'm picking through the wood you know and all i step back and my children come over and i'm showing my daughters look at this snake skin and one of my daughters is like well at least it's dead daddy i said Maybe this is not how this works. Uh, so um, we've yet to find um, what was in that skin. But um, pray for us, if you will. The only good snake at my house is a dead snake. I don't know if you feel that way. But um, in Moses' day, God sent deadly snakes as a judgment for sin. This was a judgment for sin. People were being bitten and dying because they sinned against God. Judgment is real and sin is a great offense to God Almighty. He doesn't take it lightly. And so many today would would have you to believe that God is this softy grandpa up in the sky that only sees your potential and never notices your problems. Those people should read the Bible. That's not our God. Sin is serious to God. We must stop creating a God we'd like to have. And start believing in the God as he's revealed himself in scripture. And in Numbers 21, here's what we see. A sequence of events happen. There's a complaint. 
Right? The people are complaining, and it's understandable. They're right on the verge of the promised land, and now there's a long detour. So they complain. But God sees this as sin. It is sin. They complained against God, against Moses, against the food that he provided. They sinned against God. So God cursed them. There's a curse that happens. God sent snakes. Did you catch that in the Bible? They didn't just appear. God sent them. This is a judgment from God. These are deadly, venomous, and aggressive snakes. People were being bitten. Many of them were dying. Panic ensued, I'm sure. To be bitten equaled death. Until there's a confession of sin. Do you see that? We've sinned against God and against you. Moses, please go pray for us. So they ask Moses. He intercedes for them. For the Lord to take the snakes away. But God doesn't do that. Instead, he provides a cure. A peculiar, a really strange cure. God didn't remove the snakes. But Moses made a bronze serpent. He put it up on a pole and lifted it up. And anybody, when they were bitten, if they just look at it, they will not die. This has to be one of the most unusual Remedies in all the Bible. So what is the point? Well, Jesus' parallel with Nicodemus is pointing us to several similarities. And the first one is this. We, in the room, we have a more deadly poison than they did. Running through our veins is the toxic venom of sin. The Israelites were dying physically, but the curse of sin is a spiritual, eternal death. That's what Jesus was saying with Nicodemus. I didn't just come to deal with this or that. I came to deal with sin. The greatest deception of Satan has been and continues to be these words. Listen, you shall not surely die. That's the lie he tells you when he tempts you to sin. It won't cost you that much. You won't really die. He's been saying this from the beginning. We've believed it for a very long time. And Jesus comes to tell us otherwise. Just as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness. The point he's making is you have a similar problem, but it's worse, way worse. So here's a question for us. Where is the urgency? I mean, if you were to imagine you were there, like like the devotion that Leslie read this morning, put some vivid imagery in my mind of being bitten. If I were bitten and I could feel the venom running up my leg and I'm looking around, I'm hearing people screaming and panicking and running in the same direction. And somebody says, if you just look at it, you'll be healed. I'm thinking, I need to I need to run. I need to go. There's something in me that creates this desperation for rescue because I know I can feel the numbness rising up my hip. My breathing begins to be labored. And all of a sudden, there's this desperation to be healed. Where is that kind of desperation spiritually? You want to know? It's because we believe the lie that we're not actually dying. We've been deceived. Our sin-sick hearts have been deceived and we are dying. 
Many of us dying spiritually. But our chief concern is seeing the next episode of our favorite TV show or picking up the brand new iPhone or whatever the next thing is that you need or want. That's what our concern is. Here's the truth. Everyone has been infected. Every one of us. Every person. Even people like Nicodemus. Even you. Are a poisoned sinner. You need to be born again. We are born as sons of Adam. Right? We are born as sinners by default. It's who we are. It's in us. But then, now we've lived a little bit of life and now we're sinners also by decision. We've chosen. We've been deceived by the serpent of old. We are dying now from his venomous bite. And we must be born again, as Jesus says. We need to be saved. And in case you think I'm only talking to lost people. Christian, you need the gospel too. You've been bitten this week by your sin. You've given in to temptation. And you need to look again to Christ. To trust in the goodness of Jesus and His grace for restoration. Just as our poison is worse than theirs, well, our salvation must be better. Right? So, we cannot simply make a metal snake, put it on a pole, stare at it. We can't do that. That was a promise for that moment in time. And it was meant to point us to a greater salvation. So the second reality, the second truth from uh, what Jesus is saying here in John 3, 14, is that Jesus must be lifted up as Savior. He tells, he tells Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. It was kind of code word. He's claiming an identity. I am the Son of Man. He's going to say that later in John's Gospel. I am the Son of Man and I must be lifted up. What does he mean by lifted up? I think at least two main ideas. The first one, he's talking about his death. He's talking about how he's going to die. He's he's painting a portrait of his crucifixion. That day will certainly come when he's been nailed to the cross and lifted up before the people. So he's talking about his death by the cross. So let's think back through the promise. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And then he says in verse 15 that whoever believes in Him will live. What does it mean? Well, it means we must look to His work on the cross as the primary work of salvation on our behalf. In His death, we get life. If you look to the bloody, beaten body of Jesus on the cross. You see this man who has suffered deep agony. And you realize like the soldier at the foot of the cross that he's innocent and I'm guilty. I should be there. He should be here. Or maybe you look to this man who's dying or dead on the cross and you think he's not a victim. He's the victor. 
Or maybe you're like the thief who's on the cross next to him and you turn to this man who's certainly dying along with you and you look to him bloody, not even recognizable as a man and you look at him and you say, Lord, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. Your kingdom. How do you look at this man and think of him as a king? Because you're born again. When you look to Christ like that, it's the saving work of the cross, his death. What kind of king willingly dies like this for his people? Our king. Our king. Only our king. The serpent was the picture of evil that plagued them. Have you thought about that? How strange is it to be running from serpents to a serpent? Isn't that unusual? What would be the reasoning behind that? Well, on the cross, the Bible teaches in the New Testament that Jesus took all of our evil, all of our sin debt and nailed it to his cross. Colossians 2.14. Your evil, my evil, what is plaguing you was nailed to that cross. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. So just as the serpent, the the curse was lifted up, the Bible says in Galatians 3, cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. Jesus became a curse for you so that you could be set free from the curse that plagues you. It's his death. He's lifted up to portray his death, but also his glory. Lifted up doesn't just mean lifted up on the cross. It means lifted up in terms of exaltation, in terms of worship. Jesus must be lifted up as the only rescue, the only savior. Think back to Moses. The serpent Moses made was the one source of hope for all who were bitten. They all ran to that one place. They didn't make many bronze serpents. They made one. And in the same way, Jesus must be lifted up as the only hope for salvation. He's the only hope. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So it's not like God's at the top of a mountain and you just choose however you want to climb that mountain and you get get to God. That's not it. Jesus said, you come through me or you don't come. There's one way of salvation. I mean, imagine somebody in Israel in that day saying, hey, I've got a a curly stick over here. Kind of looks like a snake. It's sort of like Moses's. Y'all just come stare at this one. People are like, no, we're going to look at that one. That one really heals people. I don't know what you're doing. Acts 4.12 says there is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved other than Jesus. It's only Jesus. We must lift him up in this way. People ask me sometimes how I know that my God is the true God. I had this conversation just a few weeks ago. It didn't go so well, but maybe it'll go better today. (laughs) They, they'll say something like, well, you know, why can't people just believe whatever they want to believe? I mean, if they're devoted in their faith, we should just let them believe it. Surely they'll be OK in the end. Listen, it is not the sincerity of your faith that saves you. It's the saving power of the one in whom you believe. 
Last time we were in Lebanon, we took a small team, just went to partner with our mission partner there, who will be with us in a few weeks, by the way. We were there in Lebanon. We were walking through the marketplace and trying to you know, buy some little trinkets and things and talking with people. And all of a sudden, over the loudspeaker in the city, the whole city of Tyre, massive city in Lebanon, the, the imam comes over the loudspeaker and starts doing a prayer chant. It's a call to prayer. And they do this several times a day. You know, it's this Islamic culture. And uh, so the call to prayer happens. And I'm in the middle of bartering with this guy trying to buy something for one of my hundred children. And we're talking and this call to prayer happens. And all of a sudden he just gets on the floor, just gets down on his face. And I was like, and I look around and everybody seems like is on their faces praying. We went back later on. We were talking that night and we were just talking about how devoted to their faith that they are. They stopped and bowed down to pray to Allah. They're so devoted. Your hope cannot be in your devotion. There is only one hope. And it's the substitutionary death and saving life of Jesus Christ. He's the only hope for everyone on the face of the planet. Who else could save you? No other God has come in human flesh to save his people. No one else has lived perfectly sinless life and then died as a substitute for sinners. No one else has risen from the dead and sent his spirit to live in all those who believe in him. There is no God like our God. Who will you turn to to save you? Only Jesus. Where is your hope? Do you know that you've been poisoned with sin? And apart from Christ, you are on your way to eternal death, separated from God. If only, if only it would feel as real as a venomous snake bite in the leg. Maybe there would be more urgency in both hearer and preacher. Today, if you have ears to hear the Lord, listen, look to Jesus. Third truth, we must look to Christ to live. We must look to Christ to live. Just as they needed only look. Have you thought about that remedy? It's not like you look and then you rub some salve on the bite wound and then it heals up. Or you look and then you go take a bath and then it heals up. No, it's just look. Just look. Why would God prescribe it to be this way? What is the point he's making? I would tell you it's a Latin phrase. Here it is. Maybe write this down. Sola fide. Faith alone. Faith alone. Jesus looks Nicodemus in the eye in John 3. And with this story, he's telling him all you're working and all you're doing for God. It's it's, it's okay, but it will not save you. In the early parts of John 3, Jesus was teaching him that you must be born again 
And here's the thing, Nicodemus. It's like the wind. You can't control it. But here in this part of John 3, he switches and he's teaching him your work, your goodness. It will not save you. You must believe in Christ. Think back to Numbers 21 again. It is in the looking. It's this action that is an evidence of faith. There's nothing in that work of looking. It's just it's just what belief in the promise of God compels a look. I'm going to look at that pole with a snake on it because Moses said that God said if we look at it, we won't die. I'm believing that word from God. And so I'm looking at that snake. There's nothing magical about the serpent that Moses made. It doesn't have real healing powers. In fact, um, the people later on got confused about this. They had begun to like burn incense to that serpent on a pole. They kept it. They made it real precious. It became a real precious thing. When King Hezekiah came around in 2 Kings 18, he, he smashed that thing into pieces. When he was tearing down all the other idols, he took the bronze serpent. He was like, we don't look to this for hope. We look to God. And he smashed it. It was always about the promise of God to heal. If people would just believe in him. I want you to notice Numbers 21 verse 9. Essentially it says these words. If you've been bitten, look and live. When you look at it, you will live. Right? But in John 3.15, Jesus changes it a little bit. And he says that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Whoever believes will have life. Again, we come to this main idea, sola fide, faith alone. The minute you add to that recipe is the minute you rob it of its power. You cannot help God save you. God will not allow you to save yourself. The reason we boast only in the cross is because at the cross we all come broken to it. Every one of us is bitten by sin. We all come as sinners. doesn't matter if you're like Nicodemus or if you're fresh out of jail or if you're strung out addicted to cocaine. It doesn't matter. We all come to Christ needy. The truth is this. All you bring to the table of salvation is your need. Jesus brings everything else. The most famous, most commonly memorized and quoted Bible verse in history is what? Yes, yeah, some of you are quoting it. John 3.16. What's the first word of that verse? For. For God so loved the world. That word for is the Greek word gar. It is an explanatory conjunction. Now, some of you are like, well, he just went into grammar. <laughs> Don't get mixed up. Here's what's happening here. Jesus is conjoining some ideas. And he's saying this idea explains that idea. So in verse 16, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. We just skip right over four, but we don't realize that four, Jesus is explaining what was happening in Numbers 21. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whoever looks, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For 
explanation. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish. There's that snake bite, death. Should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is explaining in John 16 God's motive for sending a Savior. His motive, what is it? Love. Do we deserve a Savior? No, we're like the people of Israel, complaining at every turn, bickering and grumbling against God. He should send snakes. Please don't. I hate them. (laughs) That's what we deserve. But because God is love and in his great kindness, mercy toward us, he has sent Jesus. Would you walk with me through John 16 with hopefully your mind connecting John 3:16 with your mind connecting some dots between being born again, the need to be born again, the need to look to Christ to live. And now look at John 3:16 for God so loved the world. Listen, that's all of fallen humanity. You're not so bad that you're beyond his reach. And you are not so good that you do not need his grace. There's not a person in the world that doesn't need the saving love of Christ. For God so loved the world. That he gave, he gave, he gave. God's love moved him to action, benevolent action that could never be repaid. What will we do to pay him back for giving his son? Nothing. His love for us, God's love for us is measured by the gift he extends to us, his son. So we look at that phrase, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The emphasis here is that there is no other. There will be no other Savior. Don't look anywhere else. Don't be deceived by the enemy. Nothing else can save you. Look to Jesus. He gave his only son that whoever believes, whoever believes, and listen, whoever believes, Anyone, anyone, anyone can be saved, but you must believe. Faith is the method by which God makes the greatest exchange ever. Listen up. This is the good news of the gospel. As you look to Christ on the cross, your sins are removed from you. They are placed on him on the cross. His perfect righteousness is taken and credited to your account. You stand before God in the righteousness of Christ and he is justly condemned for your sin. That's the goodness of the gospel. And whoever believes in Christ will be saved. This has always been the way people are made right with God. Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It's always been by faith. How were people healed? 
from the snake bites? Was it by the power of a serpent? Or by faith in the promise of God? It was by faith. Whoever believes, and listen to this next phrase, should not perish, but have eternal life. Now I want you to connect the dots here. Snake bites equals a poison that kills. Sin, sinners, us, equals condemnation in hell. We must not apologize for the clear teaching of the Bible. If you do not look in faith to Jesus Christ alone, Jesus said himself in John 3, 18, you are condemned already. Condemned already. All people are already condemned. We stand as sinners before God. We've been bitten. We need a rescue. Jesus has been lifted up as our only hope of eternal healing. But if you don't turn to him and believe, then the wrath of God remains on you. John 3.36. It remains on you. And you will spend eternity in hell. Now listen, you need to hear this. This is really important. Sinners do not go to hell because of something they have done. But because of what they have not done. They have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. All people that spend eternity in hell, they spend it there because they didn't look to Christ and live. It's simple. It's the most simple gospel remedy in the world. You look to Jesus and trust Him. That's it. Come to Jesus today. Do you know that you're bitten? Look to His cross. Look to the empty tomb. Look to His body, the church. A bunch of broken people healed by Him that are trying to love each other in this life. Look to Christ. Look to Jesus and live.